Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we bring back Jeremy Abramson. The last thing that healthcare companies and pharmaceutical companies want you to know is how to tap into your innate intelligence. They don't want you to know about fasting. They don't want you to know about ice baths. They don't want you to know about breath work. They don't want you to know about microdosing. Because God forbid, Ben, if you know about those things, you're actually going to become more healthy. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, the host of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'm very excited for today's episode. We bring on a close friend of mine, a brother, somebody who's very passionate about educating the world. He's been on the podcast before. This is his fourth time on the show. He has been on the podcast back on episode 48. He was one of the top 50 episodes, the first 50, I should say. And then he came back episode 213 and then 477. And today's episode is what, 600 and something. So he's back for the fourth time. And today's episode was special because it was an in-person interview at my live podcast studio. We're going to be doing a lot more of them. So the audio is incredible. If you want to watch the video, you could watch that on our YouTube channel. I do encourage you to go watch that as well, youtube.com slash ketocamp. But we got into a topic today that we have not covered before, and that is all about psilocybin mushrooms, microdosing. Now, hold on. Hold on. Some people got turned off there. I didn't really understand the topic of these plant-based medicines, but I got to tell you this, I am very impressed with not just Jeremy's knowledge on the topic, but the research that is out there. And there is a good use for these mushrooms. There really is. And you're going to hear about the conversation starts off talking about mental health issues that we see out there, depression, suicide, ADHD, what is going on? Why has it skyrocketed since COVID started in the last few years? Why is there never really a lone gun women, but it's only a lone gun men, school shootings. We get into a really deep conversation about that. And we discuss the importance of loving yourself, living on purpose with your purpose, the health and longevity, the anti-aging benefits that come when you live on purpose with your purpose. Look, there's so much research that has not been done yet, and it will be, on what happens to your cells, your mitochondria, your inflammation, your hormones, when you are passionate and on purpose with your purpose. And I'm excited for that research to come out there because I know one of the greatest things you can do for your health is to love what you do and do it often. Live on purpose with your purpose. So we talk about the benefits of doing that, how to deal with anxiety, depression, 
mindless eating, uh, emotional eating. We call out big pharma. Jeremy calls out sports athletes like LeBron James that promote toxic Gatorade, artificial ingredients. We talk about some things to do to stop worrying about others. And of course, the research on microdosing psilocybin mushrooms. And it was fascinating to me. Jeremy's going to offer an opportunity for you to learn more about that to the first 1,000 people. We have a link in the notes down below for you to learn more about that. But we'll discuss that even more with Jeremy. You're going to love today's conversation, his attitude and energy and enthusiasm. He does curse a bit, but we did block that out here on the podcast. So uh, if you're one of the people who get offended by curse words, we blocked it out. That's just part of his personality. Uh, Before I bring on Jeremy, I want to get to today's Apple podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Brooklyn Dream titled Addictively Informative. My husband referred me to an episode recently, and since then, I haven't stopped listening to anything else. The information is super helpful, especially for someone like me who is trying to heal myself via food slash natural ways. I love the content, and I find it very easy to follow and understand. Highly recommend. Where Brooklyn at? Thank you so much, Brooklyn Dream. I'm very grateful that your husband, thank your husband for me, shared an episode, and now you're listening to other episodes. And I'm also grateful that you took the time to leave that rating and review. It really helps. We're almost at a 1,000 ratings and reviews, and I would love to get there very, very soon. Once we hit a 1,000, it really helps the algorithms. So if you haven't left the podcast, a rating and review, please do so. We want to get to a 1,000 soon. And you can make a big difference in helping us reach more people. There's a lot of energy and money and time that goes into getting these episodes out to you. And we don't expect you to pay anything. We just would love an honest rating and review. Before I bring on Jeremy for an amazing in-person podcast interview uh, that you're going to just love, it's going to light you up, it's going to be life-changing, I only work one-on-one with three individuals at a time. So... I opened up three spots. We're taking up applications right now. It'll take a couple minutes to fill out this form that I put in the podcast notes down below for me to learn more about you, to read your application. We're going through applications right now. If you pass on to the next step, what's going to happen is my assistant, Andrea, will send you a link to book a 20-minute Zoom call with me. It's completely free for us to learn more about each other and see if it's a good fit or even just point you in the right direction. So there's no obligation. I want to make sure these three individuals that I work with one-on-one are committed and it's a good fit and I know I could help them. It's a seven-month program. It includes extensive lab work. Uh, It's just everything that I have learned in 15 years, I'm going to teach these three individuals. So if this is resonating with you, head to the link down below in the podcast notes, fill out the application. I can't wait to review yours and potentially speak with you and work with you. Okay, here is Jeremy Abramson. Jeremy is passionate about health, healing, happiness for humanity. His journey into the realm of wellness was inspired by his background as the son of a neurologist, fueling his lifelong fascination with brain health and neuroscience. Over the past decade, 
He'd have the privilege of learning directly from luminaries like Wim Hof, Joe Dispenza, Ben Greenfield, Dr. Daniel Amen, amongst others. Through his experiences and work with clients globally, Jeremy has witnessed the impact of microdosing and mindset practices on mental health, mood, and overall quality of life. He's dedicated to educating and empowering people to unlock their fullest potential, harnessing tools such as microdosing nutrition, cold exposure, and various biohacking tools. He is the chief energy officer of Thrive University. He's a friend, a brother. I love him. Here's Jeremy. Here we go. We are on the Keto Camp podcast with uh, somebody I love very much, my brother, Jeremy Abramson. Episode, this is the fourth time you've been on the show. Welcome back, my brother. That's crazy. When you told me four, I was in disbelief, but we go way back. We do go way back. I was looking at the previous episodes since 2019 we've been on. So pretty much every year we do a, a recording together. This one's special because we are at my new studio here at uh, Keto Camp HQ and we have a lot to discuss and new things that we haven't discussed before. So this is where I want to start the conversation. Mental health. We see a lot of people who are suffering. They are in pain, mentally obese. They are mentally bankrupt. They're depressed. People are committing suicide, they have ADHD, they're relying on Adderall, antidepressants, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and this has accelerated, especially in the last three years with COVID. Why do you think we have such a problem with mental illness, mental health illness? It's a complex question, and I love this studio, by the way. It's absolutely incredible. I feel so at home here and so grounded in this seat. I think devices definitely have been a big reason why. I think we live in such a constant world and whirlwind of distraction where it's so easy to escape being with ourselves. And I've realized this within myself is the more that I distract myself from actually being in silence with myself, the more disconnected I feel. And don't get me wrong. I love listening to audiobooks, podcasts, music. All of those things can be very nourishing for the soul and just nourishing for the mind. However, they oftentimes drown out our own inner voice. So one of the things that I've been really being intentional about lately is when I go on bike rides, when I go on my morning walk, not having any external stimulus in my ear. And I also find when I do that, I love myself more mm. because I'm able to actually connect with parts of myself that I've been avoiding, you know? And I think whether it's Adderall, whether it's alcohol, whether it's antidepressants, whether it's porn, whether it's vaping, all of those things are mechanisms where we look outside of ourselves to feel whole and complete. And I realized that I still have some of those tendencies and habits myself looking externally to feel complete internally. And I think it's a lot of programming from society, from mainstream media, from all the narratives that we grow up with. Like we live in Miami, right? So we're constantly exposed to flashy things, whether it's the Maseratis, whether it's the Bugattis, whether it's 
popping bottles at the club, whether it's going on yachts. And there's nothing wrong with those things. They're super beautiful and fun to experience. However, when you attach your self-worth to all of those material things, you're going to feel extremely empty inside. And I think going back to your question and summing up what I just said is a constant need to go outside of ourselves to feel whole and complete. And nutrition plays a huge role in that. Um, Our programming plays a huge role in that. Our lifestyle plays a huge role in that. Our community or lack of community plays a huge role in that. Especially with men, man, like one of the biggest things I've realized this last year, like when I was really cultivating clarity for New Year's 2023, I was like, what do I want to focus on bringing into my life? And at the top of the list was high quality, aligned, high vibration relationships with men who are also mission driven, who are also passionate and purposeful. And I realized that this last year, as I've stepped into that and cultivated some amazing friendships and partnerships and collaborations, it's been so nourishing because when other areas of my life feel like they're not going so great, it's so nice to actually be able to have these conversations and lean on our friends to support us in those challenging times. And I feel like, especially amongst men, we're lonely as bro. Like most men past the age of 30, especially when you're in a committed relationship, especially when you start having kids, it's like that becomes your life, which is so beautiful. But we also have an innate desire and need for human connection, for tribe, for brotherhood. So I think one of the most important things for me and my mental health journey has really been finding those people that I can be open with, that I can be authentic with, that I can be vulnerable with, that are also on a similar journey of like building impact. And hopefully that answers your question. It does. And I have a follow-up, but I'm curious about that because I've seen that too with men and also with myself. In society, we've been conditioned to, as men, to not share our feelings and not really connect. Women do it naturally and it's acceptable in general in society. Do you think that's why we rarely see, probably don't ever see a lone gun woman? Like when there's a shooting, it's always the lone gun men. Mm. Do you think it's, it's a combination of that? They're lacking connection. They can't express their feelings. It's weak for men to cry. These sort of things. Like, why do you think it's always a lone gun men and not a lone gun woman? It's a great question. And I actually made a video on this like two days ago, mm. right? I know this might be controversial, but if you look at the numbers, if you look at the data, if you look at the statistics of school shooters, almost every single one of them has been a man and almost every single one of them has been taking antidepressants or SSRIs like Prozac, like Lexapro, like Zoloft, right? And it's no secret that one of the side effects of antidepressants is suicidal ideation. And there's a study of over 160,000 people, I believe, out of Sweden regarding SSRIs. And for people, for men, the age 18 and younger, it triples the likelihood of suicide, ideation, and implementation by 3X. It's wild. 
It's crazy. The one thing they're taking it for is actually making it worse. It's crazy. It's crazy. And this, by the way, like, I know it, it can be very triggering. And by no means does that like justify someone doing that and committing a heinous crime, right? right. But I think it, to your point, goes back to the deeper root cause. Why are there so many people committing heinous crimes, feeling lonely, feeling depressed? I think a huge reason, especially for men, why there's so much suicidal ideation and mental health challenges is because we've been programmed to suppress our feelings and emotions. And as you know, your body keeps the score. Yeah. So if you continue to suppress your anger, suppress your sadness, suppress your resentment, right? That's getting stored in your nervous system, which is going to drive inflammation, which is going to drive all sorts of dis-ease. And then guess what? Something happens and you get triggered. And all of a sudden, all of those suppressed emotions come to the surface and you lose it to the point where you actually may consider taking your life and other people's lives. Mm. And I think so much of that is a product of us never being taught how to channel and communicate our feelings and emotions in a healthy way, right? And what I've realized these last six months for me, Ben, have been so challenging, bro, in so many ways. There's been these extremely high highs and then there's been these extremely low lows. And in this process, I've really been forced to sit with the lows, sit with the sadness, sit with the anger, sit with these uncomfortable emotions that I'm experiencing. And what I've realized is that as I actually allow myself the time, space, to do that and process them and feel my feelings fully, it's allowed me to tap into even higher levels of joy, excitement, gratitude, pleasure, because you can't feel pleasure if you're not willing to feel the pain. Mm, that's right. And unfortunately, so many people in our society, including myself for much of my life, we're just coasting. We're feeling numb. We're not sad. Cool. Those antidepressants made you feel less sad, but they also dimmed your light. They also disconnected you from your true essence. They also stripped away the ability for you to actually feel your feelings and emotions. And that's why oftentimes if you communicate with someone who's been on antidepressants or SSRIs for a long period of time, they're emotionless. Yeah. They use that word. I feel numb. That's usually the word they use. And that makes a lot of sense because you're right. If you are not willing to feel the pain, it's going to be hard to feel the pleasure. They're both emotions and we want to, we could tap into both, but if you block one, you block the other. So we, I know that you had a lot, a few lows you mentioned. One of them is the TEDx talk. I want to talk about that Ooh. eventually. <laughs> and the, we'll talk about it during this conversation, but I want to stay here on that topic of, of what we're talking about with antidepressants and people who are depressed and suicidal. Do you, how much of it do you believe, Jeremy, is a, a lack of purpose? Meaning a lot of people, I know you see this too, and you could correct me if you disagree, but a lot of people are living their life according to what others have expected of them, their job, their occupation, the way they act. They act in a way 
to please how they perceive that person wants them to be viewed. That makes sense. So purpose to me is the holy grail of anti-aging, of longevity, of hormone health, of lowering inflammation. Like to me, I, I think the obesity problem is not about pe- what, what people are eating, but what is eating them, their emotions, their hiding. They're not on purpose with their purpose. And it, it reminds me of a quote. I'm going to share the quote with you from a guy named Robert Heinlein. He said, in the absence of clearly defined goals, we become strangely loyal to performing daily trivia until ultimately we become enslaved by it. Mm-hmm. Right? So daily trivia, looking on social media all the time, uh, having something in your ears where you can't ride your bike, like you said, and just be in your own head and be with yourself. Mm-hmm. So how much of all of this that's going on is a result of people who are not clear on their purpose or they're clear and they're just not living aligned with their purpose? Yeah. That's so true what you said. That quote hit deep. That quote hit really deep. Yeah, it hit me deep too. Yeah. I think living a life filled with purpose is the best antidepressant. Mm -hmm. I know for me, during the lowest of lows that I've experienced, my purpose is the thing that got me out of bed in the morning. And to be honest with you, there's many mornings where I didn't even feel like getting out of bed. This year? Yeah, this year. And that was the thing, knowing that I'm here to serve and that I have people to support on this journey and that I do have a powerful purpose and mission was the thing that really got my ass out of bed. And I didn't even realize the magnitude of the importance of purpose until I experienced those low lows, because it's interesting, man. I used to think like, you know, for a lot of my life, I would encounter someone who is depressed and on the outside, their life looked amazing. Right. And I'm like, bro, like you just need to be grateful for what you have. Like, how are you going to be depressed, bro? Like you have a roof over your head. You live in Miami. You got good, healthy food to eat. You have a beautiful partner, right? You have all of these things going for you. How the f- do you ever feel depressed, right? And now that I've kind of experienced my own levels of, I don't even like to call it depression. I like to just call it really feeling my feelings, which happened to be a little bit of sadness, a little bit of anger, a lot of anger, actually. We can talk about it. I was suppressing a lot of anger, bro. I realized like, oh, wow just because there's a lot of positive things going on, it doesn't mean you can't feel like some days. And purpose, going back to your original point and question, is absolutely essential. And one of the things that, one of the simple ways that people can start just like pursuing that path, right, is asking yourself the question, what is something that I used to love doing as a seven-year-old? That's a great question. What is something that I used to love doing as a 12-year-old? And usually that answer will be something creative or artistic. Like I used to love to sing. I used to love to dance. I used to love to play basketball. I used to love to play the piano. I used to love to write poetry. Well, then why did you stop? Because our school system and our society programmed us to believe that we need to stay in a classroom learning pre-algebra, learning 
U.S. history, learning relatively meaningless things that really stole away our purpose, that stole away our passions. So it's so important to reconnect to those things that light your soul on fire. And you don't have to be a professional athlete, a professional singer, right? It's just about doing those things and activating that inner child and feeling some of that joy again. And that'll create a lot of momentum mm. because, man, there's a lack of joy in our society. Like whenever I travel outside the U.S., I'm like, dude, people are so much happier here, <laughs> right? Like people are so much happier, you know, whether it's going to Costa Rica, whether it's going to Haiti, a third world country. I've gone to Haiti three times and bro, those people literally have nothing. Like you go, you get to the airport and then you'll get in a taxi and you'll go through the streets there. And the way that they put out trash in Haiti, they don't have like a system that picks up your garbage. They literally put their garbage on the sidewalk and they light it on fire. So you'll be driving through the streets of Haiti and it'll smell like really weird. It's like this burning sensation. And at first I was like, is that a barbecue? Are people like cooking some meat? No, bro. They're cooking up some trash. Wow. Yeah. But still, despite all of that poverty, they're still more happy, mm. right? Because every single thing that they have, every bite of food, every relationship that they have, every opportunity to just like be alive, they really value it. Mm. And um, man, that was just a really long-winded answer. I love that. It goes back to gratitude, which you're all about. And you know, you do a good job at expressing your emotions, at least with me, you know, my relationship with you. I feel like you're one of the friends I have in my life who do a really good job. You're very authentic in my eyes and you do a good job expressing your feelings to me. Like when you came in here, you were expressing how much gratitude uh, and excitement you had for me getting in this new place in the new studio. And you're always sharing how grateful you are for this, for that. Like you do a really good job at that. And I, and I love that about you. It's one of the many things I love about you and your traits. And I do believe the more we can tap into that for men and women, the, the happier and healthier we are going to be because you're right. If you're not clear on your purpose and you're, you're misaligned with that, you're going to get symptoms in life. And it could be depression. It could be ADHD. It could be whatever type of diabetes or cancer. This is the innate intelligence showing you, Hey, you're out of alignment. Tap into your purpose mm. again. I'm going to show you some symptoms, AKA a check engine light to wake you up but so many people ignore the messages coming from their body. And when you have purpose, you release energy, meaning you don't have to find energy. You're not lacking energy. You're, you are releasing that energy. We're human beings. We're electrical beings, right? So think about this. Somebody who's like, oh, I'm so exhausted. The day has been awful. I worked at my nine to five job that I hate. I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. And then somebody they love calls them, somebody they adore, best friend, whatever it is. Hey, we're going out to the club. I got you a free ticket to this club. I'm going to pay for all your drinks. Like you're excited. You're energized now because this is something you value, right? Like that's how easy you could switch on once you tap into whatever that value is, whatever that purpose is. So you, Jeremy, have a lot of energy, right? Because you're living incongruent with your, your purpose and your identity. I want to know more about those lows? Cause I don't personally know the, yeah, the whole story. I haven't yet. talked about it so much. So a lot of it's very fresh, so we can definitely go there. Yeah. And I want you to share the TEDx talk story too, cause I know that's a part of it. So wherever you want to start with the lows that you've had. Yeah. And I'll piggyback what you said too, because what you just said, like was a light bulb moment for me because 
let's just say you're watching this right now and you are somebody that clocks in at 9 a.m. You clock out at 5 p.m., right? You're stuck in the matrix. You're working a nine to five job that you don't necessarily like, right? You're going to do everything in your power to escape your reality. So you're much more likely to get home from work and have a couple drinks to ease the anxiety. You're much more likely to constantly be ripping the vape to get those quick little dopamine hits, even if it's absolutely destroying your long-term health. You're much more likely to watch porn and be a slave to all of these other quick hits of dopamine and instant gratification because you want to escape that nine to five life, right? And that's why when you are living on purpose and when you are aligned with your mission, you don't want to do those things because they're going to steal away from your ability to show up in a powerful way, oh. right? Like, yo, man, like, let's hit the club on a Tuesday night. Like, let's go. I'm like, bro, like, I got to do tomorrow morning, yeah. bro. Like, it's funny. I actually went on a yacht for Jimmy's yeah, birthday yeah, on Tuesday me. night. Yeah. So, so it's a bad example. <laughs> but typically, like. No, but you, you do do that. Like, we'll talk about, hey, let's do dinner this time. You're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm focused on something you're working on, right? So you, you set boundaries in your relationships. I respect that. When somebody does that Got to me, you. like, I don't take it personally. I actually respect it because I think that's the way we should live. Set those boundaries. Yeah. So let's talk about these lows. Let's talk about some of these emotions. All right. So. The TEDx talk. We'll start there. Okay. All right. 2019, bro, I hired a TEDx coach, Tucker, the same person that worked with our mutual friend, Cynthia, right? Obviously, we started working on the talk at the end of 2019. COVID happened. Obviously, that put a little hiccup in the process. So no one was doing talks. I got denied from over a hundred different venues after the pandemic kind of cleared up right? And talks were resuming. Dude, I got denied from over a hundred talks because the venue maybe didn't want to bring someone speaking about psychedelics. Anyways, finally get the green light at the end of 2022, January 21st in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I delivered the talk of my life, bro. Your parents were there? My parents were there. It was the first time they saw me speak on stage. Mm. and. I had dedicated so much time and energy to this talk every morning for three months, was getting my script down, was practicing my tonality and everything. And a couple months go by after I deliver the talk and some of the other speakers from the venue, their talks are going live. And the organizers for our talk, including my coach, are saying like, this is normal. Yours is just going to probably have to go through like an extra revision because of the topic and stuff like that. So I was staying optimistic. I wasn't too concerned. And then one day in the middle of May, I get a message from the organizer basically saying that they're not going to put out the talk. And obviously I was pretty upset and livid. What was your first thought when, the, when my, you were there? My first thought was like, you got to be joking, right? Because like, Two weeks before that, I got banned permanently from TikTok. That's right, yeah. Right? And then I eventually got that account back, but then this happened, and I was like, universe, God, Lord, like, please, what message are you trying to deliver to me right now? So anyways, I get that message, and the next day, I was going on this three-day 
some of that sea cruise. So to be honest, I didn't even really have time to process it. Okay. And this goes back to our initial conversation of like holding on to anger and mm -hmm. resentment. So I kind of had an idea. I was like, okay, I'm going to somehow make this a positive. Either I'm going to make sure this talk gets out and it's just going to take a few extra months, or I'm going to leverage the hell out of this hypocrisy and out of everything that's happening right now. Because dude, Ben, I was so intentional about like being very clear. This is not medical advice. I am not a medical doctor. Everything I referenced was very clear research and the coach, the organizer of the event, they were like blown away by it. I had three doctors after the talk come and say like, I've never heard anyone just break down something so complex in a very simple way. So it was devastating. So anyways, fast forward to three weeks ago from when we're recording this, or maybe a month ago, early August, mm -hmm. I get back from my trip to Estonia and I wake up one morning and I feel so much anger and rage, so much anger and rage, bro. And I realized it was because of the TEDx talk. And the fact that I never actually processed the fact that all of that work, all of that energy, all the dedication that I poured into that got thrown away. And I messaged the coach. I messaged my dad because there's things that my dad said and did after it all happened that didn't feel very supportive. So I expressed how I was feeling to them. And for about two weeks, I was pissed, bro. Like so angry. And I realized this is so fresh. I realized that I never gave myself the chance to actually heal and process that. Dude, like people see a podcast episode. They see one of your YouTube videos and they're like, oh, like, like that's cool. Like Ben's posting another video. They don't see the behind the scenes. They don't see the research you do on the side. They don't see how much time, energy, and effort you put into everything you do, right? So it was like that times a thousand for this talk. And what continues to come up for me is just like, this talk was, and I'm still optimistic that it will come out at some point. Dude, this talk absolutely was going to transform a lot of lives and the trajectory for me moving forward. So for that not to go live, obviously devastating. And then on top of that, it's like, I've never seen the talk. Dude, I've never seen the TEDx talk that I prepared three years to give. They wouldn't give it to you. No, they wouldn't give me the video because Ted owns the rights to the video. I only own the rights to my ideas. Hmm. So I haven't even seen the talk that I prepared three years to give. And that's what hurts the most. Because if I had that video, then I could at least use my platforms to share it, mm -hmm. right? So that is something that I'm still processing. Like, how do I want to approach this, right? How do I want to approach this? And, you know, it's a bitter taste, but it really is a powerful reminder for me. Like, oh, dude, this hurts way more then I allowed it to affect me, right? 
And I, I feel like I almost became so numb to just taking hits with TikTok, with being shadow banned. I'm like, this is just happening again. But this one really hurts, like really drastically depleted a lot of positive momentum and life force from me. And then just to finish up, like there was also, you know, a, like a challenging breakup. Like I had my heart broken for the first time in 32 years. So I didn't fully know how to handle that or how to process that. When I had poured so much of my heart and poured so much of my soul and emotion into another human. And for that to come to an end and really allowing myself to sit with that and sit with that pain and sit with that grief and fully gather myself and process it fully because it's very easy to be in a relationship that ends and then right away go to another one and you see it all the time, right? This is the idea of a rebound. Yeah. Like everyone says, like, I don't want to be your rebound, right? And it's so true because now I understand like, dude, getting your heart broken sucks. Getting your heart broken or just dealing with heartbreak. Dealing with heartbreak is so challenging. And going through heartbreak had me actually challenging my self-worth for the first time in a long time. And it had me challenging like, like my confidence, like, bro, I'm a king, but maybe I'm not. Maybe this person is right. Maybe I'm not worthy of what I think I'm capable of, what I think I deserve. So it had me question things, right? And I was very intentional about not just like jumping in and hooking up with anyone else. I thought it was very important for me to actually like journal about it and sit with this. Like, okay, what was I seeking in this person that I wasn't giving to myself? And that was valuable. And for anyone who might be going through a challenging breakup or a heartbreak, I think that's the most powerful thing you can do is rather than just finding someone else to fill that empty void, actually fill it with yourself and giving yourself that love, you give yourself that intimacy and really take time to reflect, learn the lessons from that relationship. Because every relationship is a mirror, right? We're just mirroring each other. Like you're teaching me things. I'm teaching you things. You're triggering me. I'm triggering you. So giving myself the opportunity to actually process and digest everything from that relationship was super important for myself. And that was real self-love. That's like a different level of self-love, you know, like morning routine, hydration, cold shower, ice baths, working out, eating whole foods. Like, yes, that's all self-love too. But really sitting with your sadness and fully feeling your feelings without judgment, but with patience and compassion, that is self-love. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you for sharing that. I'm curious, did the, the breakup, was it before the TEDx or was it after? Wow. That was, it was like, dude, it was crazy. Like it was 
three weeks after. Three weeks after the TEDx, the yeah. breakup was. So it sounds like the gift from both the TEDx talk not being released and the breakup, uh, the gift was you being more present with yourself, allowing yourself to suffer or to be in that pain, I should say. And number two, be more self-aware with what you were seeking from not the TEDx talk, but also from that partner, that void that you didn't have and it helped you become aware of it. Is, am I saying that correctly? Or were, were those the gifts that came out of that? What other gifts came out of those yeah, challenges? Yeah, I mean, I'm still searching for the TEDx one, bro. And I'm not, honestly, like I, I do think there's a chance that we can potentially get the talk. Hey, when was the last time you bit into a juicy burger or a perfectly cooked steak and thought to yourself, this is the best thing I've ever tasted. If it's been a while, it's probably because most meat products are conventionally raised, which not only affects the flavor profile, but significantly diminishes the beneficial nutrients and minerals. And believe it or not, even products that are labeled as grass-fed or ethically raised to make you think they're high quality are often finished on grain or in factory farms, which is why I am so excited to share something with you today that will not only help you avoid the hormones, antibiotics, and pesticide residues that diminish the taste of conventionally raised meat, but could also save you nearly $1,000 over the next year on your grocery bill. And the best part, this may be the best tasting thing you've had in a long time. So what the heck am I talking about? I'm talking about Wild Pastures Meat Delivery. They provide the highest quality meats from small, regenerative, family-run farms here in the United States that prioritize sustainability and animal welfare. Their beef is 100% grass-fed. Their pork and poultry are pasture-raised, something you won't find anywhere in the grocery store, resulting in meats that are not only healthier for you, but also better for the environment. One of the reasons why me and my fiance Natasha loves wild pastures is that we can opt out out of supporting harmful conventional farming practices and instead support small family-run farms without spending a fortune. And the convenience doesn't stop there. They offer delivery straight to your door so you can enjoy delicious, high-quality meats without even leaving your house. No matter where you are in the lower 48 states, Wild Pastures has got you covered. Not only is this the most convenient way to get your meat products, but Wild Pasture meats are better for you nutritionally, and they're higher in the total nutrients, phytonutrients, antioxidants, key fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, proteins, and amino acids. And today, for keto campers, for a limited time, you can get 20% off every box plus free shipping for life and... $15 off your first box. This is a crazy deal, and I hope you take advantage of it. So make the switch to Wild Pastures today and save nearly $1,000 on your grocery bill while feeling healthier and enjoying the best-tasting meats of your life. All you need to do is go to the link in the podcast notes down below. Everything is already applied. All you got to do is click that link, customize your order, and you'll have some delicious, healthy-tasting meats very soon. Head to the podcast notes down below, click the link, enjoy your wild pastures. Okay, let's get right back to this episode. Did you develop a deeper relationship with somebody in your life who was there for you during the TEDx? Like, you know, your parents were there. That was definitely a gift in itself. But I'm curious to know, like, and I mean, you're probably, it's, it'll probably come to light still, but. I think, dude, I think the biggest lesson, honestly, was the thing I was telling you about, about the anger and about really 
giving attention to that mm. and not running away from that and fully feeling that. That's a gift, bro. That's a gift. And honestly, bro, it's a gift I would happily throw in the trash can <laughs> for that TEDx talk. So, so yeah. And then in regards to the relationship, it was a huge blessing, huge blessing. Because what's really funny is this is stuff like I haven't, I haven't shared at all actually on the podcast, but I told you before we were recording about, you know, going to Estonia with Mind Valley and uh, cultivating a friendship with Vision. And my former partner was with me in Miami when Vision gave me the invite. Yeah. And I was like, is it cool if I bring her? And he's like, absolutely. And we were planning on being in Estonia for those three weeks, right? Together. And that happened, the separation, I would say, three weeks before we were supposed to go. So I went solo, which was absolutely so much better mm. because it put me in a space where I was like, not attached to like making sure this person was taken care of and good and they're more introverted. So it's like making sure that I'm really like showing up for them. And it allowed me to really just like fully connect with everyone in our group and show up how I would have wanted to show up rather than felt this necessity to, to take care of this person's needs, which is not a bad thing, but ultimately it wouldn't have worked out anyways. Right. So I'm so glad I had that experience in Estonia, like, and was able to connect with people the way I was. It wouldn't have been the same if I went with yeah, a partner. I get that. Yeah. So something I had never done, like literally, I'm so shocked I've never done this. And I hope someone watching could avoid making the same mistake. Right. So this was the first time that I had experienced a breakup with a girl that I actually took time afterwards to journal and cultivate clarity on really what I want to bring in and attract in my life from a partner standpoint, mm -hmm. right? Really getting super specific, right? Because I have taken time to get specific with my goals and my ambitions when it comes to our purpose, my purpose, business, travel aspirations, different things like that. But I had never taken the time to journal and get very clear and very specific with the qualities, the values that I want to attract in a partner. And it's absolutely essential to do that, to do that. Like, oh my gosh. And then once I have these values and qualities for the person I want to attract into my life, I need to make sure that I'm embodying those, that I'm actually those values and qualities myself, because you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. Yeah. So it was so important for me to actually take that time and get clear with the person and future partner that I want to attract into my life. And it wouldn't have happened if I didn't go through that really challenging breakup. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's another blessing. Huge blessing. That's right? all. I acknowledge you for taking the time to do that in yeah, general. Bro. Most people would probably do the rebound game or just suppress it and it'll come back later. If you sweep things underneath the rug, guess what? It's still underneath the rug. It just gets bigger and bigger, right? So you're clearing things out. Yeah. Our friend Paul would say, clear the catch. 
So you did a talk on psychedelics. I want to talk about that. There's a, it's gaining more popularity, microdosing. We really haven't covered it on the show, 650 something episodes in. So now is the time. I'm so glad we're doing it, bro. I, I have I'm honored. An, <laughs> you're the perfect person to do this. There's an article here that the New York Times wrote in 2022. And the title is, more people are microdosing for mental health, but does it work? Scientists are split over whether the benefits some microdosers experience are a placebo effect or from something more. So tell me about your research into it. Is it uh, not to negate the placebo effect, by the way, super powerful, but is it just placebo or what does the research show with my, what is it? Explain what it is. Microdosing psychedelics, people have a different impression. And then what, what does the research show? Perfect. Yeah. So let, we'll take a step back. So, so microdosing is taking a subperceptual amount of a psychedelic substance. So subperceptual just means it's subtle. You're not going to be tripping balls. You're not going to be seeing any unicorns or like swimming with mermaids or any of that type <laughs> of thing, right? It is subperceptual, one tenth of a normal dose. So like a full mushroom journey or trip would probably start at like three grams. So one tenth of that is 0.3 grams, 300 milligrams. And the intention with microdosing is to get some of the benefits from this medicine while being able to be fully functional with your day-to-day -day life. So it's really cool to see, you know, I work with a lot of purpose-driven, mission-driven leaders who are founders, entrepreneurs. And one of the greatest gifts that microdosing has offered them is more focus, more flow state, and more presence, right? And presence is the greatest gift you can give yourself. And presence is the greatest gift you can give anyone else in your life, right? Being fully present is like so rare, right? We're constantly diverted and distracted. So being able to tap in and make love to the present moment is like such a powerful gift. Uh, it's limited resource these days. For sure. For sure. So we have a subperceptual amount, right? What's so cool also about microdosing. And when we're going to be talking about microdosing, we're specifically going to be talking about psilocybin, the chemical compound found in magic mushrooms, but you can microdose anything. You know, there's people that microdose ketamine, LSD. There's people that microdose marijuana, probably like you can really microdose anything. It's just a small dose, right? You can microdose pizza. Um, <laughs> just like cut it up in like one tenth of a slice. So if you're cutting calories, you're probably doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the really cool things and why I was so intrigued about psilocybin specifically is that first of all, it's safe, it's non-addictive, and it's also working on our serotonin 5H2A receptors, which are directly responsible for modulating our mood. So this is why microdosing with mushrooms has been so effective at helping people with depression because it's actually addressing the root cause. It's actually working on the direct part of the brain that's responsible for your mood. And if you compare that to other antidepressants and SSRIs, they're working on your entire serotonin system, yeah. right? And something that is so ridiculous that I can't believe more people don't talk about in the mental health space when it comes to antidepressants is that these same drugs that are designed to increase levels of serotonin production in the brain actually cause disturbances and dysfunction to your gut microbiome, 
which is where you produce up to 90% of your serotonin. So the same drugs that are supposed to increase levels of serotonin production and make you feel happy are actually messing with the part of your body responsible for producing serotonin. That, that, that explains the suicides, the, the suicidal thoughts as a side effect. It's crazy. So going back and, and just to kind of recap, microdosing, taking a subperceptual amount of a psychedelic substance, in this case, magic mushrooms, safe, sustainable, comes from nature. Mushrooms have been used literally for hundreds of thousands of years. Fungi, for anyone who hasn't seen Fantastic Fungi, highly recommend watching it. Yeah, that. it's fantastic. This is such a beautiful and powerful ecosystem, right? And it's also, you know, again, microdosing, psilocybin specifically increases something called BDNF in the brain. And BDNF is a precursor for neuroplasticity. So by simply microdosing with mushrooms, you're increasing levels of neuroplasticity, which is creating these new neural connections, new thought patterns, new belief systems, new behaviors, new habits, new realities. And that's why it's been so effective at treating depression and treating addiction as well. Because a lot of people who struggle, in my experience, working with a lot of people who have had depression and suffered from addiction, they suffer from something called mental rigidity, right? Where it's years of the same thought patterns, the yeah. same belief systems. And you're just perpetuating the same feelings and emotions, which are driving you to the same behaviors, which are destructive, right? Whether it's alcohol addiction, whether it's a gambling addiction, whether it's a porn addiction, whether it's a vape addiction, whether it's a drug addiction, right? It's mental rigidity. So you're this helps break up that cycle, creates new neural pathways. Yeah. And, um, mental rigidity. What a great term. I, I've never heard that term. I've talked about mental six pack and mental flexibility. Yeah. I've never really heard that term. It's, it's true. It's a powerful term. And, and we all have it. We're all rigid yeah. in our ways. And like, that's why having healthy habits is so important because they become automatic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So to kind of finish that point, I think there's always an element of placebo involved or nocebo. Yeah. Right. It's like, if you believe this diet is going to help you heal and become more healthy, there's a better chance that it will, right? If you believe that this workout is going to nourish your body and make you stronger and you actually do the workout, it most likely will, right? And I think it's the same thing with microdosing is like having a positive belief going into it is going to support the practice, of course. The greatest thing that I would say, Ben, for microdosing in terms of what I've noticed working with over 300 people at this point is that the most common piece of feedback that people tell me from microdosing is that it really helps them connect to the present moment. It really helps them become more focused. It really helps them become more grounded. And in that process, it also relieves some anxiety. And this is something else that's really cool when you look at the neuroscience of mushrooms and psilocybin specifically, it reduces blood flow to the amygdala, mm. which is our fear response. Interesting. So most people who struggle with anxiety, they have an overactive amygdala. Yeah. They're constantly in a state of fear. So psilocybin actually reduces activity to that part of the brain, which is essentially starving fear from the brain 
And when you start fear from the brain, you're actually able to be here, be present and realize that life is a gift. And I don't have to worry about this thing. That's probably never even going to happen in the first place. It is so rare for people to be in the present. I know I'm guilty of it myself. Even, you know, you were on your way here, Jeremy, and you were a little late because the, the Uber tried to take a shortcut and we learned a lesson from trying to take shortcuts, but I didn't plan on having like a 20 minute gap waiting for you. So I was on my couch. I opened up, you know, TikTok and I started watching some TikTok videos and I'm like five minutes into it. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> just because I have a 20 minute gap, why am I filling it with this? Like I just, I could just sit here and just wait for Jeremy and just be present. So I just sat there and turned off the, you know, the TikTok but I don't think a lot of people have that mindset. They just get stuck into that matrix and an hour goes by. But to follow up with your questions or your, your statements, with this serotonin receptor site, 5-2-H, what, 5-2-H-2-A? 5-H-2-A. 5-H-2-A. Is there a negative feedback loop when you take psychedelics, which helps you produce serotonin? So with testosterone, right? If a guy or a woman takes hormones like testosterone or thyroid, it signals to the body that you're getting it exogenously, externally, no need to produce it endogenously. Is it the same thing with these mushrooms? If you take psilocybin mushroom, if you microdose, will it shut down your body's own ability to produce serotonin, leaving you dependent on the mushroom? Great question. This is really important to talk about. So again, one of the really cool things about microdosing specifically is that we're talking about such a small amount right? This isn't a full trip. This is a small amount. What's really important too, in regards to our protocol in the mastermind is we never microdose multiple days in a row. So we have a Monday, Wednesday, Friday practice. And the reason for that is twofold. Number one, psychologically, I never want anyone I work with to feel dependent on anything. And a lot of times, especially when you're helping people wean off of different medications, mm. it's more of a psychological dependence. I need to take this thing in the morning if I'm going to feel okay, if I'm going to feel normal, right? Makes sense. And then number two is taking it every other day, this small amount, you're never really going to have to increase the dose. Your tolerance isn't going to go up that much. I've been microdosing for three and a half years, the same exact amount, haven't changed haven't needed to. I'll cycle off for three or four weeks, not because of any health benefits or repercussions, more so because I just want to remind my body like, yo, this medicine's very beneficial, but I don't need it. Right? So when you cycle off three or four weeks, do you notice any, any symptoms or no? Not really. Not really. Right now, to be honest, like for the last year, I've been very intuitive with my practice. There might be two weeks where I don't microdose. Let's say I take like, I start taking a supplement or something, I want to see how it feels. I'll kind of isolate that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I want to really see like how that's impacting me. So what's interesting, man, is mushrooms actually in a microdose or a macrodose, a big dose, isn't really going to affect your ability to naturally produce serotonin. However, when you talk about drugs that work on the dopamine centers of your brain, like Adderall, or Ritalin, those are absolutely destroying the dopamine centers of your brain. They're depleting the dopamine, which then has you wanting more, right? If you think about cocaine, I don't know if you've ever done cocaine, Ben, but- I did in high school. Yeah, no shame. I've done cocaine a decent amount of times in my life, in my past version of myself. Listen, 
When you do cocaine, it's very hard just to have one line. You take it 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, like that high starts to wear off. It's like, give me another. Let's go. Same thing with the vape. Do you ever see someone just take a couple hits of the vape? No, bro. They're ripping that all day. It's literally attached to their yeah. hand. Yeah. Have you seen? There's a new symptom going out <laughs> called vaping hand. It's people like this. It's like they've been holding the vape for so long. Their hand has just been <laughs> up like this. Seriously, bro. And Is that a real thing? It's going to be a real oh, thing. <laughs> Anyways, after this podcast, it's going to be a real thing. So both of these things, taking a step back, cocaine is working on your dopamine receptors, right? Your pleasure centers. So you feel good after a bump. Shortly thereafter, you want another one, right? And if you don't get it, when your dopamine's depleted, bro, you're, you feel like right? You feel terrible. Same thing with Adderall. It's working on the same exact part of the brain. Dangerous, man. The only difference is that Big Pharma made over $20 billion off ADHD drugs in 2022, right? That's the only difference between cocaine and Adderall is that one of them happens to be legal and one of them happens to make pharmaceutical companies billions of dollars every single year to treat ADHD. But really what's happening in that process is these drugs are destroying the frontal lobes where the dopamine centers live and you become dependent. You become addicted to the feeling of taking something like Adderall because in the moment it makes you feel focused. It makes you feel energized. It makes you feel wired. And then four, six hours later, bro, you feel like you feel depleted. So guess what? You take another. That's why these drugs are so disgustingly toxic and harmful is because they're so addictive. And if you try to wean off of them, oftentimes bad things can happen. Because now not only has your neurology been programmed to believe that you need this external hit of dopamine, but also psychologically. Mm -hmm. Now you think that you need Adderall every single day if you want to just function as a normal human being. What a terrible terrible message to send to a six-year-old kid, a seven-year-old kid. And that is oftentimes who is being prescribed these drugs. It's yeah. kids, it's, bro. It's, it's children. It's evil. I wonder if there's studies done on these children when, when they grow up, like what percentage of them live a high-functioning life. They're probably not going to do these studies because it's probably a very low percentage. Hey, Keto Camper. There's something that I do every single day to supercharge my mitochondria to help with inflammation and soreness from a workout. And that is the use of red light therapy. This is called photobiomodulation. And there's a ton of research that shows the benefits of near-infrared and red light therapy. The red light therapy that I use is from Bon Charge. I simply use it 10 to 20 minutes per day. It has both near-infrared and red light. And every single day when I use this, I feel ready to take on my day. So whether you're dealing with gut pain, joint inflammation, or you want to just supercharge your mitochondria, get your hands on a quality red light therapy device. And I highly recommend the one from Bon Charge. They hooked you all up for being a Keto Camp podcast listener with a 15% off coupon code. All you need to do, check out this product and all the wonderful products they have available is to go to bonchargecom slash ketocamp 
and use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout to save 15% off your order. We will drop that link and coupon code in the podcast notes. Go check it out. And let's get right back to this episode. If psychedelics, if microdosing achieves the positive result that we get from Adderall, focus, presence, without the drawbacks and the addiction and the shutting down of the dopamine receptors, is big pharma going to find a way to capitalize on mushrooms? Uh, let's start there and then I have a follow-up question. Are they already trying to capitalize on it? Yeah, definitely. So I think ultimately, and that might be a round two conversation, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of companies in the biotech space who have good intentions that want to make psilocybin more available to the masses. You're seeing it be decriminalized in many cities around the world, even the whole state of Oregon and Colorado. Naturally, these pharmaceutical companies will find a way to profit off of it. And there's different patents that are happening. And a lot of these companies are trying to make these compounds that work on the brain in a similar way that psilocybin does, right? But it's not actually psilocybin. It's just like a component of it. And yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with that, but, but there's nothing like getting it straight from the source. Of course. I don't, I don't think they would go all in like they are with Adderall because with Adderall, like you said, there's a, an addictive component. Like you got to take it every day, yeah. meaning a lot more money to be made when somebody's dependent every single day. But with this, you're not doing it every day. There's not an addictive component. So it's kind of like there's a time and place to use it. So there's less usage and less dependency on the shroom. So I don't know if they would make that switch, but it doesn't make sense for them to do a synthetic version when it's available out in mother nature. It's just so stupid. Yeah. And so some people, some people for the record do microdose every day. I just don't think it's the best approach. So we do it every other day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday usually in the morning in a basically fasted state. And again, there's nothing wrong with microdosing every day from a health perspective. However, I'm just concerned more about the psychological dependence. I don't want anyone to ever think that they need a certain substance, even if that substance is actually really healthy and beneficial. I don't want you to think that you need something external to make you feel whole and complete internally. And that's why we never take the medicine two days in a row. But I do know people who do. And this is why, right? Like, it's crazy. I mean, for anyone who really wants to like go down a rabbit hole, you can just see and see why psilocybin was even made illegal in the first place. Like this was the time of the Vietnam War. This was the time of like San Francisco and the hippie generation, like revolting and not conforming to societal norms and not enrolling in a war that made absolutely no sense, right? So basically the reason mushrooms were made illegal in the first place is because when people were taking them, they were heightening their self-awareness. They were heightening their levels of kindness and compassion. And they're like, why the hell are we going to go fight in this war that is completely unjust? What? So they revolted the government and they're like, no, you need to stay a slave to our societal norms. We're making these drugs 
illegal. Mm. And what's so ridiculous about that, Ben, is like mushrooms are still a schedule one drug federally. And if you look at the definition of a schedule one drug, it's like dangerous, high levels of addiction, right? Interesting. Which is exactly what methamphetamines like Adderall are, but mushrooms are completely safe and non-addictive and we can provide studies and research to support those claims. But it's crazy, man, the world we live in. What was your follow-up question? Do you remember? The follow-up question was about the text message that you showed me or the Instagram DM, because I know a lot of my audience is, they're dealing with weight loss resistance, obesity, metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, et cetera, poor eating habits, addictive habits to sugar and carbohydrates. This is good. And they're, they're emotionally eating. They're not present. They're kind of just, they're done eating and they're like, what did I just do? They're struggling to get on course and stay the course. And you just showed a message that you got from, from Instagram about, uh, actually you explained the message and how, how can mushrooms help with us making better decisions with our lifestyle, with our food and us hitting the goals we want to get in terms of weight loss and, and uh, reversing these, these metabolic syndromes. Yeah. So basically got a DM yesterday. We can even put it up on this video and this man messaged me, looks like a young kid, probably early twenties. He messaged me, microdosing changed my life. Six months in, super hyper aware of what I eat. And here's my physical condition after microdosing. And it's literally like the before pictures are, he's significantly overweight, looks very unhealthy. And the after pictures, he's jacked. He has a six pack. You can see all the definition in his shoulders. And this is something really valuable, especially for your audience. I'm glad we're talking about it. So you were asking before about studies and research and science and is microdosing just placebo? And what's interesting, man, is that I believe so many of the benefits that come from microdosing, you can't even measure in a quantitative study. How do you measure someone having a deeper connection to their intuition? And one of the things that I've noticed with so many of the people that we've worked with while microdosing is that they become so much more connected to the foods that actually nourish them and the foods that are not aligned with their highest self. So if you microdose, for instance, you might become aware of something that you typically eat. Maybe it is something fried. Maybe it's something that's cooked in seed oils. Maybe it's something that has all of these different artificial food dyes and artificial sweeteners. And you just realize like, that is so fake. That is disgusting. Why would I ever put that in my body? I love myself, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most common reasons why so many people who have come in the microdosing mastermind, not even having the intention of losing weight, they have lost weight and become much more physically fit because now they're avoiding a lot of those inflammatory foods that they don't want to put in their body. 
and they're nourishing themselves with the higher vibration, those higher quality foods. And that's powerful. It's super cool. Yeah. And something else, like it goes across the board in all areas of life. Like I know for me in my experience with microdosing, I become super aware of people's energies. And I can immediately tell if this is someone that I'm going to f*** with and they're going to be a friend and I really enjoy their presence. And I can tell even sooner if this is someone that, yeah, I just don't really feel their energy. I don't feel their vibe. So when you're, when you're taking the micro dose, that's when you get that intuition. Yeah, but that intuition never leaves, right? Interesting. Because I would say, I would argue like, I would argue that, you know, if you've ever had any really traumatic experience or a, like near death experience, it changes you. Like not just that experience in that moment, but like it shifts your perspective in yeah. other ways. Yeah. So once you see something, you can't unsee it. So if you microdose or you take mushrooms or you do another plant medicine like ayahuasca, and you see something very clearly, you experience something very profound. You can't just forget about it. It's part of you now. So if you realize, oh my gosh, that marriage that I've been in for the last 15 years, I need to get out. This is no longer aligned. What am I doing with this person? Yes, we used to be in love, but we went our separate ways. This is not serving my highest self. I need to get out of this relationship now. That feeling, that download is going to stay with you. It's not just going to disappear. And now the only question is, what are you going to do about it? Mm. Are you going to stay in the toxic relationship or are you going to listen to your intuition? So that's what I would say about that. And like, there's, it's, it's really like I have one of them, one of my coaches in the mastermind, her name's Heather dude, within eight weeks, she completely healed herself from ulcerative colitis. Mm. And she was told it was incurable. Yeah. $60,000 a year on treatment and medications and all of this. Bro, eight weeks in the microdosing mastermind, in addition to the different protocols we teach, right? To optimize your gut health, your nutrition, your circadian rhythm, your body's biology. She completely healed her ulcerative colitis. That's awesome. Her incurable disease. Yeah. Right. And this is what healthcare companies and Western medicine and pharmaceutical companies don't want people to know. Mm -hmm. Like, just think about, I mean, the last thing that healthcare companies and pharmaceutical companies want you to know is how to tap into your innate intelligence. They don't want you to know about fasting. They don't want you to know about ice baths. They don't want you to know about breath work. They don't want you to know about microdosing because God forbid, Ben, if you know about those things, you're actually going to become more healthy. You're going to actually be able to heal yourself and become your own doctor. And guess what? That means there's going to be more empty beds in the hospital, which means less profit for the healthcare companies, which means less medications prescribed by the pharmaceutical companies. So the best thing that you and I can do is keep teaching people how to become their own health coach and healer. So they don't need to be dependent on these drugs and these outdated systems. Mm, it's powerful. A hundred percent aligned with that. 
uh, big pharma, the government who's in cahoots with big pharma, um, they don't like this message, right? This could be a message that YouTube might flag because it just goes against the conventional norm. You know, Jeremy, I was doing some research on uh, cable TV, right? I don't watch TV. I know you don't either, but I think we were sharing this on a previous podcast, right? My mom watches cable TV. So I have dinner with her every Thursday. When we're done here, I'm going to go have dinner with my mom and at her apartment and she has a TV on. So I see all the commercials that come on when I'm there and it's uh, like this medication might cause this side effect. And it's like fast food medication, fast food medication. So I went online to figure out how much of the, all the commercials in the United States, what percentage of them are funded by big pharma? And the answer is 75% of all the commercials are funded by big pharma, 75%, bro. And out of the 195 countries in the world, only two countries allow for big pharma to market directly to the consumer, the United States and New Zealand. Right. That's it. So 75% is from big pharma. 11% is from fast food. So that leaves you with, you know, maybe some local advertisements, but it's, it's essentially like Taco Bell, Little Caesars, Viagra, another big pharma, whatever pill, whatever thing they're trying to feed down <laughs> their throat. It's like, it's, it's awful, bro. And that's the only reason cable TV still exists. If it wasn't for the funding they're getting from big pharma, everything would be streaming. So we're being manipulated and brainwashed and, and Neville Goddard, who's an author I've studied, he's from like the 1950s. He said, we are only limited by weakness of attention and poverty of imagination, right? Weakness of attention, distractions, social media, et cetera. Poverty of imagination is the messages we're getting on TV, billboards, through our toxic friends in our, our community. So there's a lot of resistance, right? So conversations like this, the work that you do, the work that I put out there, it's, it's everything for humanity to thrive and not be dependent on a drug or a substance or whatever it is. But it's the complete opposite of what Big Pharma wants us to do. They want us to go to Walgreens buy the packaged food at the front of Walgreens, mm. eat all these artificial ingredients and then come back to Walgreens, but now walk to the back of the store and then get your medication and then come back to the front of the store and kind of be back and forth. You do a really good job. It's leading me to my next question. You do a really good job. I always tell you, I admire this about you because I don't know why I don't do it. There might be like some sort of lack of self-confidence to do what you do here. But you walk into public supermarket, you walk into down the streets of South Beach, you walk into Walgreens, you walk and you record and you call out all the bull. Look at all the seed oils in this healthy food. Look at all the artificial aspartame. Yeah. What? A lot of people have followed suit after, I think I was like one of the OGs. You were one of the first ones doing it. A lot of people do it now. Number one, how do you, is it something that just comes naturally to you? You're not even thinking about what people are thinking of you when you do it. And why are you doing that so often? That was, that's crazy though. The the stats that you dropped. I definitely like, I'm going to use that. Some, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you'll use something, you'll, crazy, you'll create bro. something great and with it, that. And it's like such a, just people like need to understand like, man, I think we've been brought up thinking that we can trust mainstream media and trust the government and that they have our best interests in mind. Just look at the last three and a half years. Mm. Like if you need any proof that the government that healthcare companies, that the mainstream media does not give a f- about your health. Just look at the last three and a half years. The writing is on the wall. It's interesting, man. Like the first one I did probably two and a half years ago on TikTok, it was like so basic. It was like someone commented, 
what does low vibration food mean or something like yeah, that? Yeah, you talk a lot about low high vibration food, low vibration food. It was like, okay, and I was in the supermarket buying something and I was like, hot Cheetos, low vibration. This is why. <laughs> like Coca-Cola, like it was such basic stuff, bro. And the video went viral and I was like, oh my God, like people don't even know the basics, right? Like because they've been so programmed right. by watching these freaking commercials and like watching athletes like LeBron James, like promote ruffles and Sprite, mm -hmm. which also pisses me off. It's like LeBron, you're the best basketball player, arguably to ever walk the face of the earth. Why the f are you promoting toxic brands like Coca-Cola and Ruffles, dude. Like you don't need money from those brands. Like that is a horrible message to send to the kids. I never understood why these high profile people who have an abundance of wealth, they can make more money however they want to. And they choose to align themselves with a brand that is absolutely destructive, that is literally incentivized to harm your child's health. And you're a father, you have your own kids. Like it's crazy just to go off topic, but man, so that's kind of how those videos started. Have you gotten kicked out? I've gotten kicked out of Costco. The cops came to Costco. This was like <laughs> early right. in the pandemic. That. Yeah, yeah. that was really funny. I'm actually gonna- Was like, it, cause, it was because of the mask thing or was it for something else? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I was like making these videos in Costco. So I would take down my mask when I was talking. Yeah. So it was for that. And then they were trying to say like, this is private property. You can't film. I was like, this is bull. And then uh, they're like, we'll call the cops. I'm like, bet. Okay. Call the cops. And then they called the cops. <laughs> they're like escorting me out and I'm taking a selfie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I need to find that. That's hilarious. To be honest, man, I haven't been doing those videos as much for the reason of there's a lot of people doing them now, but really like nutrition super important. And it's like a core pillar for me, but it's still just a small fraction of this whole pie of this whole 360 approach. So like, I'll do those when I feel inspired and yeah, to answer your question, I don't really mind if there's people that see or what's the worst thing that's going to happen. They're going to learn something, mm -hmm. you know, but there are times where I'm like, not necessarily in the grocery store, but other times where I'm like, not more self-conscious, but maybe I wouldn't just take a video in a certain okay. scenario. Okay. Um, that's, that's interesting. I, I, you also walk up to people in Lincoln Road, South Beach, who are sitting at a cafe with their laptop on their lap and you walk up to them and talk about what that does to your uh, testicles and to lower testosterone. I love it. Have you got any backlash from that from people or are they pretty receptive with that message? That is something that I actually want to start doing more. I was at, <laughs> I was at the standard spa like two days ago at the pool doing a cold plunge. And I looked around and there were at least four guys had their laptop directly on their junk. Just with the sun heating it even more. Exactly. So they're putting their ball sack in a microwave. They're destroying their T levels, their fertility. And then on top of that, they have AirPods on. Oh, yeah. Right? So they're getting blasted with EMFs. And then usually they also have a vape. They're like ripping the vape. <laughs> they got, they got the vape. AirPods on. They got the laptop on their junk. And guess what? 
on top of that, they're wearing sunscreen that's laced with chemicals, bro. They're literally like taking all of these hits at once. If this is you right now, you have your laptop on your junk, you wear AirPods, you're ripping the vape, and you're putting banana boat copper stone (laughs) sunscreen on your face, just stop it. Please stop it. And they're wearing sunglasses. And they're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> and then they probably, it's happy hour. I'll get a cocktail. Yeah, right. Oh my yeah. God, bro. This is like, dude, I'm getting inspired for just like ideas. Cause that's how so many people. Yeah. You're, his, his TikTok is incredible. 1.5 million followers. At least the last time I checked. Jeremy.Awakens. Is that the new name? Yeah. Jeremy. I love the name. Jeremy.Awakens on Instagram and on TikTok. If you want to watch some of these videos. Where can they learn more about your microdosing mastermind Some of, if they're interested in learning about what we were sharing? For sure. Yeah, brother. So really exciting. By the time this podcast goes live, this will also be live. I just put together an incredible free course all about microdosing. So Ben and I like scratched the surface. We actually went pretty deep on some areas. This course literally gives you all of the knowledge and tools and information to learn more about this magicofmicrodosing.com. We'll throw a link in the show notes. And you can also just like hit the bio in my Instagram and find it there. But magic of microdosing, it's going to be free for the first 1000 people. So oh wow, definitely. It's a great name too. I love that website. Yeah, bro. Magicofmicrodosing.com. Yes, sir. Free for the first 1000. It's uh, being launched September 10th on your birthday. Yeah. This will come out right after. So, hey, if you're watching, listening, and go check, make sure that you get one of those spots. Uh, that's awesome. But yeah, you if you, that's resonating with you, go check it out. We're going to reference that link in the notes below of the YouTube and also the podcast. But also, if you click on Jeremy's bio on Instagram, jeremy.awakens on Instagram, you could uh, find info on that. You uh, also hold signs up about mushrooms and self-love. <laughs> I haven't done this in a while. Now I'm like getting inspired. Yeah, I love I love it because it's like, I don't know what, something blocks me from doing things like that. Like I, I would love to do stuff like that, but I, I don't know if I lack confidence or I'm worried about what people are going to say. Um, I don't do things like that. And I feel like I want to, but something holds me back. So kind of live vicariously through you. And watch <laughs> this you is great, it. bro. No, this is good. Because like, because I remember you did one YouTube video where you were interviewing people in South I Beach. I did do that, which and was very uncomfortable for me. And, yeah. and you were asking like about cholesterol. Yeah, and, and like the that. vegan diet. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, man, first of all, for anyone who struggles with social anxiety or they're too concerned about the opinions of other people, one of the best exercises that they can do is literally just grab their phone, right? Pretend like you're FaceTiming a family member or a friend and just like walk in a crowded place, right? And see what happens. You'll quickly find out that no one gives a <laughs> about what you're doing. They're all in their own world, huh? Yeah, they might look at you and give you a weird look for a couple seconds and then they go right back into their own world. And this is something really important to remember because it's so easy to get caught up in how people perceive us and how they might judge us for something. But dude, people are way too caught up in their own bullshit and their own insecurities to care about your insecurities. This is what I always tell myself or like a friend if they're feeling like hesitant. Yeah. Right. So it's like a great exercise. 
I would actually challenge you, dude. Okay. To do more of those. And it doesn't even need to be a YouTube, but like that's super fun content. And it's getting you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I'll accept and, the challenge. Yeah. And it's also diving deeper into the root cause of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Like sitting with that. That's that's like what this deeper work is is all about is like sitting with it and being like, hey, why am I hesitant to do this? It's not, and 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 it's not to say like do it all the time, right? Because maybe it's maybe like that style's like not even your style, but it's also like, okay, well, let me try it. Mm -hmm. Let me see how it feels. Yeah. I would like to do more of it, to be honest. And it's like, dude, connecting with humans is always good. Yeah, you do a good job at it. Uh, you look like you do it naturally. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, I uh, have a couple of rapid fire things here. Rapid fire. Let's uh, go. And I'm going to ask this question because I believe the answer to one of these is sitting on the table here. So five favorite ways to improve brain health. Sheesh. Morning sunlight. Moving your body. High quality, healthy fats. EPA, DHA. Um, yes. Wild caught salmon. Avocados, pasture raised eggs wild caught or pasture raised meat and some extra virgin olive oil <laughs> to boost the brain health, baby. Oh my gosh. We got these oleocanthals. What, is, is what, what do oleocanthals do? What is it? So oleocanthals, that's a big shot. Yeah, bro. that's you. That's too much for me. Give me that. Oh my gosh. So oleocanthals, are a powerful polyphenol that really help fight against inflammation on the brain. Yeah. And helps with BDNF too. Yeah. The, the, the olive oil does. And like Ben and I are doing, dark glass bottle. You want that good stuff? You want it to burn. Yo, you should feel like a burning sensation in the back of your throat. And that's the oleocanthals. Yeah, that's right. If you don't feel the burn, Ask for a refund because you got olive oil. You yeah. got scammed. You All ready? right. Cheers, bro. Cheers, my brother. To round four. To round four. This one kind of hits you after like a few seconds. Remember, Brian? So the burn. Oh, there you go. Now I feel the burn kicking in. Mm -mm. So this olive oil is organic. They, <laughs> <laughs> that's what you want right there. That's a good sign that you got yourself a legit olive oil. You see Jeremy coughing right there? That is exactly what Woo! you want. This one is uh, organic first pressed harvest. A lot of farmers don't do that because the second harvest yields more olive oil. First harvest doesn't, but it's higher in antioxidants. So they're about quality, not profit. And it's in a dark glass bottle to your point. This one is from Chile. It's a Chilean harvest. So it's sent to me uh, seasonally. Well, every quarter, depending on where what's in season. So this is from the fresh pressed olive oil club. If any of uh, those watching and listening want to Get a $39 bottle for a buck like this. It's uh, ketocampoliveoil.com. You could get a $39 bottle for a buck and do the olive oil taste test. But even if you don't get it, go to your pantry and do the olive oil test and see if it does what it did to Jeremy or makes your throat burn because that you felt that. How was that olive oil? Delicious. Delicious. No, right? It's the real deal. It is the real deal. It's the real deal. I'm very, I'm an olive oil snob. Me too. So, 
And so. a big myth on olive oil is that you can't cook with it. And that's not true. If it's a high quality olive oil, even though it's a lower smoke point, the antioxidants protect it. So you could actually use higher heat even though it's olive oil, but it has to be a high quality olive oil. The cheap stuff don't cook with it. Oh yeah. And dude, that's another thing. I remember when I was a kid, my mom would just use the Pam spray. Yeah, It's like, what is that? dude? It's like (laughs) canola oil laced with other toxic. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. And we're using nonstick Teflon pans. That's right. Yeah. These forever chemicals, dude. See, this conversation is just getting me lit I see you taking a whole bunch of notes of content to grade. So the brain tips were um, healthy fats, eggs, uh, organic pastured beef, olive oil, movement, sunrise, sunlight. We said breath work. Is that what you said? I didn't even say breath work. So just to recap, the five things to boost your brain health. Yes. Number one, morning sunlight. Number two, move your body, generate that blood flow. Number three, high quality fats, EPA and DHA, wild caught salmon, pasture raised beef, pasture raised eggs, throw some avocados, throw some extra virgin olive oil in there. Number four would be microdosing. Mm-hmm. I knew course. that would be in there. <laughs> of course. And number five is sleep, getting deep REM yeah. sleep, right? Like that's where your brain does all of its healing work. And I know you talk about money time sleep, really important. So yeah, that's a simple five, five step to that's optimizing a, that, the brain. That'll transform your brain health. A lot of people deal with brain fog, all right? Just doing one of those five tips will help you achieve a better result. One more rapid fire before we get to the final question. What are five healthy, I'm putting this in quotation marks, healthy things that the general public does that they believe is healthy, which is actually destroying their health? What are five uh, health myths out there? Okay. One of the biggest health myths is that it's safe to drink tap water, mm-hmm. right? Laced with fluoride, laced with chlorine. If you're in Miami, arsenic, which is a heavy metal, it's a neurotoxin that crosses the blood-brain barrier. Tap water is not safe to drink. Drinking from plastic is equally as harmful for your health. All of those chemicals from the plastic that leach into the water and then leach into your bloodstream when you drink them. So find a way to get high quality water. Um, There's many different ways, reverse osmosis. I use the Kangen, but if you are buying water, make sure it's like a glass bottle, like Mountain Valley Springs or something like that. So that's the first one. Number two would be healthy, unhealthy thing would be, I would say like whole, whole wheat bread, right? Like whole wheat bread. We all were raised with the idea that this is super healthy and all the whole grains are good for our gut health and they're not as bad as white bread. In reality, like that's bullshit, right? And you know more about that than I do. So that's another thing. Breakfast. (laughs) Breakfast is one of the biggest scams. At least eating a breakfast that is so typical in America, Pop-Tarts, cereal, muffins, croissants, banana bread, cereal, oatmeal, like These things just give you a massive spike in your blood sugar levels and just put you in a very bad position for the rest of the day. So if you are going to eat breakfast like earlier in the morning, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, depending on your specific situation, like have high quality protein and have high quality fats that actually satiate you and energize you for the rest of the day. 
So that was three. Well, I mean, would sunglasses be one of them too? Sunglasses. Sun- we, you didn't talk about why the sunglasses is, well, are an issue. I mean, wearing sunglasses, especially first thing in the morning, yeah. makes zero sense. It's the worst thing you could do for your health. Like you're getting access to this beautiful battery in the sky, which is the sun that gives you so much nourishment, right? Obviously vitamin D, but all the other things that the sun can trigger in your body, right? And getting your circadian rhythm in check, releasing serotonin, getting your cortisol levels directed in a healthy way. Like the sun is your friend. Okay. So don't hide it with sunglasses first thing in the morning and definitely don't hide it with toxic sunscreens that are laced with a bunch of chemicals. Mm. Like we've been told to fear the sun, bro. I know. And they're trying to block it. They're trying to block the sun. The government is. Yeah. Like what, what is going on? Yeah. And then I guess, I mean, the last thing is just, we'll, we'll say the, the last healthy disgustingly unhealthy, toxic thing is Ensure. Oh yeah. <laughs> or any of these like high protein nutritional beverages that doctors recommend. Yeah, muscle milk. Oh yeah. Like all of them are trash. I mean, if you look at the back of a bottle of Ensure, which is literally like the most commonly prescribed nutritional protocol in hospitals, dude. Yeah. It literally has like 40 to 50 ingredients canola oil, soybean oil, all these artificial sweeteners, all these ingredients you can't even pronounce. So first rule of thumb, if you can't pronounce an ingredient, do not put it in your body. Do not put it on your skin. Very simple rule. If you want to just improve your health. There you go. I'm surprised you didn't say a vegan diet. I thought that was going to be in there. That might be number six. Yeah. Because it's kind of virtue signaling now to be a a vegan or a vegetarian. We don't want to upset Dan Buettner. (laughs) Um, because I hear he actually, I think he actually lives in Miami and like, we may be friends. So like, I don't want to get off the wrong foot, but yeah, we, I, I feel like your audience knows like that veganism is a scam already. That's why I didn't say (laughs) plant-based meat. That's like a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about ingredients you can't pronounce. Finally, we have reached my favorite question, which is about, um, the most powerful, anti-aging, anti-inflammatory supplement that you could take. There is no toxicity limit on this supplement. There's no negative feedback loop, meaning you could take as much of the supplement, you still produce it as much as well. And it's called vitamin G. Mm. Vitamin G helps us with every area of our life, financial, relationship, fitness, And of course, vitamin G is something you already spoke about, which is gratitude. So I want to ask you, Jeremy, as we wrap up conversation number four, Mm. what do you have vitamin G for today? What are you grateful for right now? Oh, man, I am grateful in this moment for allowing myself to fully feel all of my feelings and express my emotions in a healthy way. and. Yeah. Work through the pain, work through the sadness, work through the challenging moments because I'm learning that it feels really good. It feels really good. Not necessarily going through the pain, but coming out the other side is a great feeling. 
Mm. And it feels very rewarding to do the deeper work and sitting with myself, not numbing myself and allowing myself to fully feel everything that comes through and do so from a place of love, kindness, and compassion for myself because I'm always giving love and kindness to others. So it feels really good to give myself that same treatment. I'm happy. I'm happy you did that for yourself. That's beautiful, bro. You know, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. And that's one of the treasures you were seeking. Uh, I've got vitamin G for you, man. Uh, love you, Jeremy. Love what you're doing. Learned so much about psilocybin mushrooms. I'm glad we took a deep dive. You taught me a lot about it that I was not aware. And I'm sure my audience too. So thank you for being who you are and how you show up in this world as a confident, bright light who's ready to change lives. And we're just getting started, bro. We really are. We've changed a lot of lives already and we're just scratching the surface. So your Instagram is jeremy.awakens. Your TikTok is also the same. The, uh, what is it? Magicofmicrodosing.com. Correct. And anywhere else you want them to go? Magicofmicrodosing.com. And yeah, like they can find anything from the Instagram, but yeah, bro, I'm really grateful for you. And every time I see you, I'm like, like, why don't we spend more time together despite how busy we are? But it's just been cool, man, because really like, I mean, you said we first recorded together like over four years ago. 2019. Yeah. So we, we really have been able to kind of like see and witness each other's path and journey. And um, it's cool, man. It's cool. Cause it's like, there's not that many people that have actually seen that evolution. You know, obviously your partner and fiance has, right? And other people, but like a lot of people, I think just kind of tune in and they watch and they listen. And again, they sometimes don't see like the trenches, the dirt, the fact that you're just really, man, putting in the reps. Like I just honor you for your consistency, your commitment. Like really, bro. Like I always say when it comes to people I really respect in this space, you know, you're at the top of the list, bro. Like really, you're just a really great dude. Like genuinely, I think I would be shocked if there's anyone that doesn't like Benazadi. <laughs> like genuinely, like there's people that don't like me because like, <laughs> I get it. Like I could kind of trigger people and rug people the wrong way, but you are just like a kind man, bro. You're a great leader. And um, yeah, dude, really grateful for you. Thank you for that, bro. I appreciate, I received that. And I remember when we, how we connected in 2019 through LinkedIn. I think you were living in Sunny Isles or somewhere around there. And we did a podcast interview I've really admired your growth um, and the things that you've just recreated yourself and evolved and your commitment. And, you know, even though you're up against so much resistance with the censorship and the social media and what happened with the TEDx, like it's all just a, a channeling you to something even greater in your life, right? All of that is on the way for you, not in the way. And you're unstoppable, bro. You inspire me more than you know. Whenever I talk about you with others. I'm always speaking so highly of you. I'm always is, just admire what you do, how you show up. You always make me feel really good about myself. So it's a quality and a trait. And just real quick, because you reminded me of something about like being in the trenches and how a lot of people don't see how when somebody is successful, what they're not seeing is all the stuff behind the closed doors, right? Yeah. That, that's really what it is. And last week I had the honor of uh, seeing Tom Brady in person and actually mm. seeing him speak for 90 minutes. It was incredible. And Tom Brady said some things that like, I think it's going to stay with me for the rest of my life. And I, I want to just share it real quick because I think it'll resonate with you. 
he was sharing his turbulent times, right? Being in high school, playing three different sports, basketball, baseball, and football, not knowing which sport to focus on, focused on football in San Francisco, actually. And he wasn't a really good athlete. And he was applying to all these colleges, USC, all these colleges in California. They all said no. Michigan said yes. So he went to Michigan as the fourth string quarterback. And he fought his ass off, just in the trenches, speaking to every day, just focusing on the process, on the process every day, even though he was not getting any chance to play. He was getting like 10 minutes of, of time to shine with the starters in practice, he was saying, 10 minutes. And his fourth year in college, they finally announced that he was going to start that season. But Michigan ends up drafting, I forget the guy's name, some other rock star high school player that they said, actually, we're going to have you compete with this guy now, who's a freshman, even though Brady put in four years of work. So he said, all right, it's all about the process still. And they would compete. One quarter, first quarter would be Tom Brady. Second quarter would be this other guy. I forgot his name. And then at the halftime, the coach would decide who plays the second half. So one game, it was this other guy. Other game was Brady. By week five, they chose Brady to play the rest of the season because he was the one who was most consistent. They went on to be super successful that season. Applied for the NFL or the NFL draft, thinking he was going to get drafted the first round or second round. And what happened? Nobody picked Brady up until the last freaking round, last, what, 20 picks or something. Goes to the Patriots. They have Drew Bledsoe, who had a 10-year, 120 million contract. He was their quarterback. But he told the coach, if there is a chance for me to get on that field somehow, I'm never getting off. So what happened? Game two of that season, Drew Bledsoe gets injured for the rest of the season. Brady steps up. They win the Super Bowl. Now he's a seven-time championship winner of Super Bowl. Set all these records. Played until age 45. Because he said it wasn't even about the accolades or trying to be the best. He said it was all about the freaking process. It was all about day-to-day focusing on what's in the trenches. And I'm like, damn, that is so good. He said the side effect of all those accolades... Was a, a, a side, it was a side effect of focusing on those day-to-day processes, bro. So I, I resonated with what you shared because I see that with you. We're both in the trenches, man. And it's all about the process. Everything else will take care of itself when we focus on that process. Mm, we're going to have to talk about uh, that. It's Patrick Ben David's event, right? That's Patrick Ben David's event. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about it now as we wrap up. But For sure. Love and you. Man. By the way, Tom Brady actually from the same town as me. San oh, San Mateo, that's California. Correct. He yeah. went to Sarah High School. That's right. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you, bro. We're going to put all your stuff, your info down below. YouTube, let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Put a comment down below. Follow Jeremy. Check out his work and you'll see him again very, very soon. So Much love, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening and watching. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Hey, kudos to you for reaching this point because that was a long interview and I acknowledge you for your commitment. I hope you love Jeremy as much as I do. If you want to learn more about his magic of microdosing, a free course, first 1,000 people get free access. So I put a link for that down below. Check it out. It's also magicofmicrodosing.com, but you could click the link down below. Jeremy's website is Jeremy thejeremyabramson.com. His social media handles is jeremy.awakens. And we'll put detailed notes for everything we spoke about down below. Please share this episode with, with somebody you know, a friend, somebody who might be struggling with mental illness or mental health issues, that which 
this conversation could really make a big difference for them and change their life and make, you know, just put them on the right path towards healing. If you want to watch the video version of today's interview with Jeremy from the studio, the amazing studio, Keto Camp Podcast Studio, go to youtube.com slash Keto Camp. If you want to apply to work with me one-on-one for my seven-month one-on-one program, we are going through applications right now. Click the link in the podcast notes down below. Leave the show a rating and review. I love and appreciate you, Keto Camper. Thanks for being so committed and listening to the entire episode. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.